So anyway, at the end of the day, you couldn't tell what was shit and what was chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even it's not even my joke that it's someone on Mock Week, <laughs> I think. Can't, uh, yeah, I genuinely I think it was Ed Burns' joke. Anyway, welcome to episode 109 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, as always, John by KC. Hello. Um it, it's a bit of a transition after starting with that odd joke, but we should talk about it first because it's it's biggest news from today and it's always going to be huge news for with Leeds United. But uh, the club have released a statement saying that all-time record goalscorer Peter Lorimer is in a hospice battling a long-term illness. Uh, obviously played for us forever, like two spells spanning sort of 23 years, 238 goals in 705 appearances. Obviously, for us, it's a bit different. We we know of Peter Lorimer, but never got to see Peter Lorimer. Uh, yeah, but... yeah. My unfortunately, because of age, my Peter Lorimer is essentially board member Peter Lorimer, which isn't the best iteration of of Peter Lorimer, unfortunately. But um, yeah, obviously, it's it's been horrible to hear. Um, was it late stage brain cancer? Was it? Uh, to be honest, I don't. I don't know if they've confirmed what it is. It's been. It was. It kind of came out everywhere over a couple of days before this announcement, didn't it? And yeah, I, I haven't seen the official announcement yet. The first I saw of it was was late last night. Yeah, but I mean, it had been the first time that we started hearing about this was a while ago, wasn't it? Like probably over mm. a year ago, you started hearing stuff about this. So it doesn't look great from. But it's a. I mean, it's a real shame, and obviously. It's, Thoughts with his f- family and his friends. They've they've said that they want to keep stuff relatively private and stuff, and that's fair enough. Hopefully, he does as well as possible in the situation. But I mean, at, at the at the age he is at with the illness that it supposedly is, it doesn't look great. But hopefully, he'll be as okay as he can be, or at least as comfortable as he can be. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean. It- Including this, it's, it's been sort of a tough run for for the the legends over this last year. When you think about it, unfortunately, um, it's a, unfortunately another name to, to kind of come out. Yeah, it's a shame, but and unfortunately, obviously, with the passage of time, this is the way it goes. You got we're going to get more and more of these for over the next few years, and it, that iconic team is coming to that sort of age now uh hopefully they can all get the tributes for, hopefully they can get the kind of tributes they deserve preferably with some fans there and stuff when everything gets back to something like normal yeah it's probably also also worth mentioning as well i think it came out a few days ago that um gordon mcqueen has been yeah. diagnosed with dementia as well yeah gordon mcqueen who were uh, again before that time but was by all accounts a fantastic footballer yeah, um, and again, anyone that's kind of watched the uh, the Jack Charlton documentary about his, you know, about his time with Ireland and kind of how his, his, you know, his family struggled with it with his dementia over his final few years. Um, it's one of the big topics, kind of, in football at the moment, isn't it? In terms of damage, brain damage that's been caused by by heading the ball and. I think the amount of research that needs to go into that, considering the the approach that has been taken to to head injury still this season, mm. has been a, a touch lackluster. It's um, it's one of those things that really needs looking into now. Yeah, they are making progress. You would think. I mean, now that they've finally brought in the concussion substitutes, which I uh, I said at the time, I don't know how that conversation didn't go. Well, you should be able to just take people off and replace them if they've got concussion symptoms. How that conversation went anywhere beyond? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it was, it, it was even the daft. I think it was even the daft thing of, of when that converse, when the, the talks were taking place over that is, yeah, we'll we'll trial it in in like three weeks, and you're like, why not just this weekend? Why not do it from the next available game? Yeah, but um, well, obviously we'll hope. I suppose with uh, people on the situation, I suppose we're hoping for no news for a while. Yeah, because. Uh, it's unlikely that there's going to be, oh my God, everything's fine. So just like, you know, hope we give him his best, as does everyone who supports Leeds and is involved, and just in football generally, because 
you know, this, this isn't a club thing. This is just a shame. And uh, hopefully it all goes as well as possible. Uh, obviously, it's a change of pace. I'm not going to try and come up with a, a side to get through it because it doesn't really work. But the Southampton game, uh, it was, well, I mean, it's a great result. Fantastic. And um, we needed it after a, even though I don't think we're in any trouble, even if we'd have lost against Southampton. It, after a couple of defeats, it's good to get a win. Yeah. Um, nervy game at times for us, despite the fact that I think at the end of the first half, there'd only been about five actual shots between the two teams or something like that. But, you know, I thought first half Southampton actually did a very good job closing us down in an hour half. Um, so we never really got going to, to mm. any degree. But that being said, there weren't that many times where Melier was was tested all that much. No, like he did make a fair few saves, but I, did he did he make any that were like real, really great saves? He made a good low one at his near post, didn't he? That was that was a really good save that he made. Yeah, um, but more, th- most of the mo- saves he made were too weren't the most difficult. Yeah, t- fairly routine stuff in the end. Um, and that that was the thing I thought. While Southampton actually did a good job pressing us. They, they didn't do a whole lot with it in in the first half, especially. While, so th- they were winning the ball 30, 40 yards from goal. But we, we, and kind of as we'd spoken about in the previous podcast, ended up going with the back three and, and we had the return of Urente. Yeah, it was a, um, it was good to see him back. As it, when, you've, when you're on about the, you know, their pressing and everything, and it causing us a few problems. I suppose the big chance that they had was just a set piece, wasn't it? The Vestergaard header. Yeah, and, and I think it's at the, I think if you look back at the footage, is it Bednarek that actually hooks Strike's arm to stop him from following him? I think for that as well, which is, I suppose it's one of those things where it's only after the fact you're ever going to see that because even if you were trying to look at VAR. I don't think it's one of those things you, you kind of pick up on immediately. Um, but yeah, the, he, he is sort of held back from, from keeping up with that run. Um, and then, and in the end, I think we kind of got away with it. It was a, you know, a header off target, which um, Vestergaard should have done better with. Oh yeah. Uh, like he, he, from that reason, because he's center half, I don't like saying center half should score, but he should definitely hit the target. Yeah, um, I think outside that, I, I think one of the things you, you'd mentioned from the previous game as well was certainly in the first half. I did notice Luke Ayling was was kind of coming central a few more times. To I think they attempted that and then kind of abandoned it fairly early on as well. Yeah, there was a a lot of the coming inside, like because it was a we did end up not in the like straight up three four three that I thought that we might. It seemed like more of a. It was the. It wasn't quite three three one three either. It was more sort of three 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 one, because Rafinha and Harrison and later Costa were doing the chasing back, so they weren't really pushed up high. And then Rafinha did, and and then they started pushing up more in the second half when Costa came on. But they did come inside with their sort of inverted wingers that they play with. And ended up playing in almost midfield roles. Uh, they did quite well. In the, as I said, first half was a fairly even game. I mean, there was that huge Rafinha chance that obviously doesn't count for anything in terms of an actual chance because he never hit the shot. But where Dallas put him through after the set piece. And for some reason, Rafinha, who you know always looks quite calm in front of goal, strikes the ball well, really good finisher, just wanted to take an extra seemingly two or three touches. <laughs> Great tackle when, from the mayor, but you say great tackle. When when that tackle first went in, did you shout at the TV that it was a penalty? No, not even slightly. <laughs> oh, I did. No, I my, because my... I just saw I just saw man slides in penalty area and just went and in the very this is fucking lunacy. Why is he sliding there? But it, it is an absolutely perfect tackle. No, I must have no. I didn't have that even with my biased Leeds eyes in. 
I just went right tackle, <laughs> and then fucking El Rafinha hit it a bit earlier. You've got so much time. Yeah, I think the other incident from the first half is the uh, the overturn penalty as well. Yeah, to be honest, because that was so not a penalty, I'd almost forgotten about it. Uh, I I, th- I think it's one of those where I can I do think as long as it probably took. And honestly, I don't entirely know why a referee was called over to the monitor to look at this. This is where they, just, they don't want to just say to a referee, "You're wrong, change your decision," because it undermines but, them a bit. But they then, want to but, give them the chance. But then, to see. what's the point in having Stockley Park? Why not just ha- just have someone say, someone straight away say, "You should go to the monitor," as opposed to having someone look for two minutes and then go, mm. "Well, I think you should look at this." I believe that when I believe that when uh, if a kid's involved, you'd call it a teachable moment. I think that that's what they're doing. I just it's it's the annoying thing about VAR because last season the whole thing was at, like towards the end of the season they would just zoom in on the monitor that never got used, <laughs> and now it's every decision. Yeah, I think you should go to the monitor. Like you either. Tell the referee to go to the monitor, or you make the decision. But that, like, that was clearly not a penalty. I can understand why it was given in real time. You see, now I can understand it because referees make mistakes. But I don't know how he's fallen for that one. I don't even think it was a particularly quote-unquote good dive. Like, I don't think it was particularly well executed. It was no mm. ailing flop, for instance. Although the one time, the one time he did that in the box actually was against Leicester, won it, and it was a abysmal dive. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the one thing is it very much depends on where the referee is looking. Is the referee focusing on is straight is, straight down the line? Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying straight down the line, but is he focusing on upper body contact? Is he looking at the legs? Yeah. You know, I, I do think that comes into it, but. It's it's the one time you know you've got to say VAR has worked out in as much as it's looked at that and we've all gone yeah that's not a penalty yeah it did it did work that time it did work as it was supposed to in the end uh, like as much as um like obviously you know Teller kicked Uente and went down and in real time I put on for all together Twitter uh, Teller runs at Uente goes down look to dive penalty given. And it was a dive. But although I've, I've never really seen that teller, and that was his first start, as much as the dive pissed me off, he looks a player. Yeah, he was quite lively. <laughs> it, it was uh, he was one of those players that was getting mentioned fairly frequently for them. I think he was involved in a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, where, where was it he signed from? I honestly have no idea. I haven't even looked. I, I, I just assumed he was a through the academy job. I'm not sure if it was him or if they'd mentioned that he was one of those one of the signings they've made, but um... uh, they got him from Arsenal in 2017 as like a youth player. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, he, he looked pretty tidy and uh, also with their team selection. I think I think the big two that we obviously the main one we'd spoken about was Minamino, fresh off his goal against Chelsea, and Danny Ings, both of them on the bench to start with. Yeah, because, I mean, that I was pleased to see it when I saw both of them because I think that they're both really good players, so them not playing was good. But, yeah, you know, that covers really first half, fairly even game. Uh, and Leeds struggling to play their way out. But then, you know, as a certain other podcasts would say, it's all about game state sometimes. Leeds get a goal. <laughs> Leeds get a goal in the first two minutes and it changes everything. Uh, it was a really nice goal. You enter... Gets it off Melier, plays a really I wouldn't good ball. know. Sky was too busy showing fucking replays. Oh, yeah, that's very true. I did look up and go, oh, Bamford's <laughs> on the edge of the box. <laughs> yeah, there's just a through ball that Bamford's run onto all of a sudden. Like, oh, it would have been nice. But uh, it's happened a couple of times with us this season. That Yeah, yeah well, just... I remember it happened for uh, the Barnes goal for Leicester. Right at the start, but that one I can understand how it happened because Robin Cock gave the ball away under no pressure in a terrible position. This we played as way from as goalkeeper to the other end of the pitch. Yeah, uh, good ball from Urente to find Tyler Robertson, centre 
in like the centre circle, who will will remind me we'll need to talk about Roberts because he looked a lot better. Roberts, good touch, really good through ball to play in Bamford, which is the second time in two games because, you know, Bamford was offside by a kneecap, but it was a really good ball to put him through against Wolves as well. Mm. Uh, Bamford get, lets it run across him, really good finish low into the bottom corner. Yeah, love that, love that step over to get out onto, onto his left foot and then a great strike across goal. Mm. Um, it's looking really confident on that kind of finish, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember kind of other goals he scored like that this season and that uh, sort of recently I Well the the one at Leicester was a bit like that, sort of running across him, balls in front of him, goes with his left foot, hits it early. The one against Wolves I've got this loud balls in front of him running forward. Yeah. Um yeah, his his movement off the ball kind of in attacking situations is I I feel like this season it's just gone up a level. You know, he's someone who's always been credited as as kind of good movement off the ball, excellent press, you know, an excellent pressing. But his movement away from central defenders and, and just finding that gap this season, see, it just seems to be on another level to what it was. Yeah, I think he's only what is he only about two goals off his total from last season? I think uh, something like that. Yeah, he won't, he won't be far away at all. Uh, I'm I'm not sure of the exact numbers. I mean, there is it would be. It takes some doing, but there is a serious chance of him getting twenty goals this season. I mean, he's he's he went back, and I don't know after. I suppose with it been a, a midweek game, there won't have been any others. So yeah, he's the, he's the third top scorer in the division now. Yeah, and the highest English goal scorer, I believe. Oh no, we second because we behind Harry Kane. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I, I believe I said he'd be our top scorer and I can't remember what number I went for like 13 or 14 and it looks like I wasn't optimistic enough which is something serious I, going I, I think I went with 7 so yeah <laughs> I'm very happy to be proved wrong in uh, in that regard but yeah looking looking very confident and a, and a really nice finish yeah uh, after that you know Southampton did come forward a bit but to be honest I thought we were really comfortable after that Played some nice stuff. The second goal I really liked. Uh, Hernandez involved deep. Little ball through to Dallas. Dallas out to Costa. Costa gives it him back on the edge of a box. And I don't care what anyone says about Tobums and stuff. A cultured outside of the weak foot finish <laughs> from Stuart Dallas. Look at the swerve on it. That's not a Tobum. Because you don't Tobum <laughs> with your little toes. You Tobum with your big toe. That was again uh, in reference to the people whose hoodie you're wearing. Uh, I believe it was the marriage toe. Yeah, <laughs> I think they might have, they might have called it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be a touch less generous and say his second touch might have taken it a little bit too far away from him, and while getting <laughs> closed out, he just threw his toe at it to. To make sure he got something to it, but yeah, you know, it curls away from McCarthy. Um, I can't try to remember who it was who uh, tweeted the picture and pointing at his toe afterwards, and as well that just said, "See that toe? That's my special toe." Yeah, I did see that. I can't remember who tweeted it either. Uh, but now that was a it was a really good goal, and I'm, I'm, I was glad to see Dallas get on the score sheet again because he's just been brilliant lately. Just, just um, as an update, Pat Bamford is level on goals with Calvert Lewin and Harry Kane, and Son. He's he's only behind Mo Salah and Bruno Fernandez. God, so. I didn't realise Bruno Fernandez was that high. Just shows what taking all of the penalties will do. <laughs> Watch him only have actually scored two of them this season. <laughs> Yeah, but in my head, he scores one every week, uh, <laughs> and then finally to seal it, Rafinha with a free kick from sort of 25 30 yards, which was really well struck, making up for the one he should have scored in the first half. Uh, really, really nice free kick. Um, I have to be honest, if Leeds had conceded that goal, I would be looking at the keeper saying, You've really got to save that. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit sad, though, seeing Rafinha look at Pablo Hernandez going, oh, this is mine. Yeah, and yeah. Pab someone um, someone <laughs> pulling rank on Pablo Hernandez just uh, feels wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, but I, sp I suppose if, you, if you're if doing that, then scoring, it's fine. 
It's kind of like when you see someone go, when you see someone go, no, I'm taking this penalty, and then they miss, and you're just like, you fucking moron. Yeah, I don't think it quite has the same effect with a free kick. <laughs> no, unless someone did it to James Ward Prowse, it's it's not quite the same thing. But um, yeah, great to see because he he did deserve a goal. He should, I mean, as we said, he should have scored in the first half. That's where his goal should have come from. But um, yeah, and him with the the message to Ronaldinho's mother. Well, yeah, to their family, I suppose, because she it was, was Ronaldinho's mum that passed. Yeah, I I didn't look into it much, but luckily other people on Twitter did. Apparently, it's not just that they're from the same bit of Brazil. Apparently, the, the families are friends and have, yeah. have been going back a long time. So, yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, I still, it's another one of them. I know referees have to do it because it's the rules and they'll get shit from their bosses if they don't, but I just hate that they're booking for shit like that. Yeah. It's um, there's it's really it's there's sort of no need for it. I suppose Just, that's the, I suppose while we're here as well, that's the other incident we haven't talked about is the uh, the free kick that that never was for Southampton. Which free kick that never was genuinely <laughs> the one the way, the one the way they were sorry where they were played through at the end of the first half and it was oh disallowed. god yeah. What, again, because it, because it was the correct decision, I've put it out of my mind. Because I actually remember being really annoyed at half-time at how the shock with which it was being treated. Oh, I, they've raw, they've got away with this, and the way it was talked about. And the, no, it was two correct decisions. It wasn't a penalty. And he, took, he told them to wait for the whistle and then took the free kick before the blew the whistle. Well, I mean, even if... And and this is not me saying I, I think the referee got it wrong because I think he got it right. But can you imagine a player starting a run up for a penalty before the referee's blown his whistle and then just happens to kick the ball at the same time? It's, it's, it would be a very odd thing, you know. And I, now I've I've said on in several places to to anyone that will listen at this point, I do kind of miss the days when a quick free kick could be taken. It, you know. It, well- you still can. You just have to do it straight away. You just can't. You can't do it after the referee has said. Like he'll give it oh, a few no, seconds. I, I mean, I mean the days like when you were twenty-five yards out and you just went to the referee. Can I shoot now? And the ref went, "Yeah, go on." Man. You can still do that. It just doesn't happen very often. You can still. Yeah, do it. I don't think. You, I don't think you can. I think with oh. marking things out, I don't think you can get away with these things anymore. Uh, but, can you not do it anymore? Is it? Is it like Mister Potato Head? <laughs> Jesus, we've gone there, have we? Well, it was bound to come up at some point because it's been one of the funniest things it I've ever seen. It was bound to come up, was it, on this football podcast? Was the relabeling of Potato Head? No, more the reaction to and the fact that it isn't even happening. <laughs> uh, but no, the. Uh, it, and you know please, what? Had it had please. he, my dad's Mister Potato Head. Just call me Potato. <laughs> even even if like they'd taken it and it happened to be at the exact moment that he blew the whistle. Now, so the only example I can come up with is in athletics. If you if if you start a hundred meter sprint and it's like within 0.1 seconds of the gun going off, that's still a false start because it's impossible for you to have heard it. So you went early and got away with it. Whereas I think that's fine. You're just lucky. Good for you. Mm. And same with this. If it had been at the exact same time, fair play. You've anticipated brilliantly. But it wasn't. The ball had moved seven yards by the time the whistle went. And then he blew his whistle about three times before the shot was taken. Yeah, to go, no, you can't. And for whatever reason... And I know you've tuned commentators out a bit better, but Andy fucking Hingecliffe, who has apparently followed us up from the championship. Andy Hingecliffe, who I've I have never rated, but didn't hate that much. He was always my dad's least fit. My dad fucking hates him. And I have now come around to my dad's way of thinking. <laughs> Did your dad hate him before because as a footballer, or is this purely commentary, Andy Hinchcliffe? Purely commentary because his and he is right. It's just that I tune him out and don't notice when they go to Andy Hinchcliffe to analyze something. Say he was analyzing um, 
the Dallas goal, his analysis would be, well, Dallas has played a good one too there with Costa and then he's scored. <laughs> he's just reiterated yeah, what has he doesn't, happened. He doesn't analyse what happens. He just watches the replay and says what happens. Uh, but it was worse than that in this, like, like him with that Juente chance where he basically made out that he was like in peak messy and, oh, he'd have finished it perfectly. Juente has no time to react, redirects it on his weak foot and it's saved well. Oh, you know, he's got to be doing better. And I, what, he's a centre-back, what are you talking about? I will say, because I, I, I think I, I don't know what I was doing then. I, I saw the chance, but I hadn't taken in who hit the shot. It wasn't until the replay where they were, where they were talking about Urant and I just went, what the fuck was he doing there? No, and the reason that annoyed me, you know, if, if they'd have said on commentary straight away, oh, he should be scoring from there, and then seen the replay and gone, actually, he doesn't have very long to react and stuff. Mm. But it was after he'd seen two replays that he was talking like that. So I'm just like, oh, you just, it just appears that he thinks that every single good chance should go in. Yeah, he thinks every game should be about nine seven. They're not far off with us. Yeah, that's true. If one team's going to do it, it'll be us. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the the free kick thing, it was just it, to, yeah. to be honest, it was good referee. I thought one. It was one. It's the first time I've really noticed that Andre Marin has got a very good stare for a referee as well. He's it's, it's kind of got that ability to bring out the bulging eyes a little bit. Yeah, not the, not quite. Not quite to Chilina, it you know, levels. Yeah, the, the well, you know, yeah, sorry, Kalina, my bad. Yeah, that's because you know, Chilino is ingrained in the brain. Well, so, <laughs> now, while he's been mentioned, there was the uh, footage of uh, Chilino managing a game at the weekend while Pep Clutter had been, I, I believe, he'd been sent to the stand. Yeah, I was gonna say, for context. Clutter had been sent off, so he ended up stood there, but Chilino's been dying to do that forever. Every single time he sacked a manager, so what, every five weeks? We would say, you know, just Leeds fans in general would go, he's just going to give it to himself, isn't he? He's going to. He's going to do it eventually. Because <laughs> the funny part is, like, Pep Quartet sent off, but seems to only be sat two rows further back than he would be in the dugout. Well, so COVID it does... and no fans, you can't. <laughs> so it does just look like he... If you if you didn't know the context, it does just look like Chilino has gone in there and gone, no, 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 this is how you do it. And then he goes to bunt, and yeah. then the baseball hits the bat, and he flies back into the cage. Nice. No, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if we had one last time, so we needed one this time. There you go. Uh, so the performances to talk about, I, well, I didn't think that uh, Tyler Roberts was going to play in this game because of the way the formations had worked. But I also didn't know Jamie Shackleton was injured when I said that. Uh, I thought playing in this, that deeper role, and he's still got forward plenty, but I thought Tyler Roberts had a good game. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's played his way in now, hasn't he, really? Yeah, another another impressive performance by him. And, and to be honest, given Jack Harrison's last couple of games, you got to say Helder Costa's in with a chance as well. Yeah, well, that was the next one I was going to bring up. Off the bench, Helder Costa uh, suddenly seems to have got his confidence back. But in this game, like, with Rafinha went out to the left, Costa on the right. They both stayed high. They both got forward. Costa, it wasn't just, you know, he played a pass back to Dallas, which wasn't really a chance-creating pass, but he gets the assist. It was... There was so much work rate. He's chasing back. He showed some strength on the ball, which is one of the main things that's been missing. Like, he kept getting knocked off the ball so easily. And in this one, like, there was one where he chased it down when it was going out for a goal kick. Pretty easy to shepherd it out. And he chased it down and won it. And won as a free kick in the dangerous area. Uh, that, was was another... that was also quite funny, just because it took ages for, for Mariner to give that as a foul. Because mm. I don't know who... Th I'm, I'm guessing it was... I think it had been Ryan Bertrand, who, who was probably the defender, just grabbed him round the waist. And yeah. I think there's a good three seconds of Helder Costa going, foul, ref, ref, come on. Yeah, there we go. Uh, 
Yeah, and there's another one where Southampton had a good counter-attack on and he chased back 40 yards very quickly to get back in as last man and clear it up. Uh, but he was also good on the ball, the way he brought us out, showed good pace. And there is a really there is an argument for leaving Costa in the side on the right and playing Rafinha on the left. As much as Rafinha I prefer on the right, if Costa's going to play, I think that's probably the better way around, especially from what we saw against yeah. Southampton. I don't think that'll happen. I think Harrison will stay in because Bielsa will... Harrison's had a couple of poor games, but a couple isn't enough for Bielsa to change it usually. You'd need five or six, probably. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's... I love I love Jack Harrison, but if by grace and logic, this is uh, this is turning into Jake Livermore. Well, I'll bring it up now because uh, even though the, this deal was agreed anyway, so it's not really news, but it sounds like it's taken a step forward. Uh, it sounds as if Leeds are making the deal permanent for eleven million in the summer, which has gone up a million from when it was announced. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah, it, I, I'm. I think it's a bit of a stretch, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm okay with us paying eleven million for Jack Harrison. Yeah, which at the end of the first loan season, you wouldn't have believed I, you were saying that. No, I mean, by at the end of that season, we were talking about the moments that Jack Harrison had had, where you know, kind of the the last the the, the main moment you were thinking of was was the pass for Kemar Roof to score in the, the first leg of the playoffs. Hmm. And he had a few good moments, but there weren't. There wasn't like a string of games you ever kind of thinking Jack Harrison's great. Hmm. Um, and then last season, he, he sort of became indispensable on that left hand side. And I thought throughout his his partnership with uh, with Alioski at times, or and Dallas works hmm. brilliantly. His work rate was there. He got quite. He got a few more goals. Um, and I think I think he because he struggled at the start. Sorry, that was there is a cat. There may or may not be a cat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> God, we, we've put, we've uh, budgeted for sound effects now, have we as well? <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, there's uh, Jack the Cat Harrison. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he sort of struggled a little bit at the start of last season, but you know. Kept his place all the time, and then there was a, a sort of bit form in sort of late September, early October, where people were questioning him again. But you know, for me, he's he's one of the most reliable players in that team. Even if he, you know, he's not creating much, dif- you know, in terms of his defensive actions, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, uh, the other one who's been a little bit off the boil in terms of form, he had he has had a couple of decent games in between, but he also may well be missing for injury now. For the next game, I don't. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but Mateus Click. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen in terms of that because the way that he's been playing, I feel like because Roberts has played his way in, Roberts and Dallas might well be the way to go for a game or two. That'll be interesting because again for this one, Dallas started out as as the left wing back, hmm. essentially here and. Which left it as you know, which, and then he, he moved there later on as as is kind of a custom for Stuart Dallas to change position midway through a game. Mm. Um, yeah, like you say, the, the way Tyler Roberts has kind of played since he pretty much, I think he made a couple of good appearances off the bench before, but the, the Arsenal one was kind of the first big one where I think he made a noticeable difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after after that performance, he's he's definitely worth a place in the team. Yeah, uh, there's two more things from that game to talk about. But one of them, well, neither of them will take that long, I don't think. But uh, Ilan Melier is eighth clean sheet in the Premier League, which beats Joe Hart's record for most clean sheets for a goalkeeper who's under 21. Such a, it's such an odd record in as much as how many are... 21 goalkeepers play. In the family. Not only that, I'm just talking in terms of our season in as much as, you know, we are one of the highest goal scorers in the division, but our goal difference is like two now at this stage of the season because of how 
porous we've been at times. I like that you think our goal difference is two. Is it not even that? It's zero. Oh, is it zero? I couldn't <laughs> remember if that if I'd heard that before or after the the Southampton game. So yeah, we're at zero <laughs> for yeah. one of the highest scoring teams in the division, which you know tells you sort of how we've done defensively. I just want to uh, say that I love that. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong; I'd rather we'd conceded twenty, but like if you're gonna have zero. 43-43 is way better than 21-21. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at this stage, of the, does that, so that means he's he's kept a clean sheet in about a third of our games this season as well, which, which I don't think is a bad record. No, it's pretty solid. And yeah. well, and also, he's we played 25, but he's missed one, hasn't he? Did he miss? He, yes. Yes, he, missed, he did. He missed one game when he had COVID. So he didn't, he, have, he didn't have COVID. He was ill. No, he had COVID. Patrick Bamford said so on that live stream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just says everything, doesn't he? He's like an open book, is Patrick Bamford. Yeah, he's a lovely boy. I don't think I'm supposed to talk about the pitch. But it was like Winter Wonderland out there. <laughs> the pitch, you say? <laughs> well, that's the other thing to talk about from the game. Oriol Romeo is out for the season with a fractured ankle. He was involved in a tackle when it happened, but if I remember rightly seeing that tackle, there was no real contact involved. Because the, the foul, I think, was actually given against Alioski, and he was already going down before that point. Yeah, but it was... he it, he basically rolled up oh, at first viewing, looked like he'd rolled his ankle and then was going down. I think Alioski then just easily wins the ball off him because as you and I both know, having rolled our ankles several times at this stage of our life. I couldn't fucking... walk up until today because I did it again. Because <laughs> it pretty <laughs> fucking hurts. <laughs> uh, now, Ariel Romeo, I'm going to say, it, it's maybe a slightly tougher person than you and I. Um, but even he, you know, thought, no, we're not running through this. Yeah. This is a killer. I will say it's not the same thing, but I did bowl seven overs with a snapped ankle ligament. <laughs> Mate, it's pub cricket. Come on. Yeah, but I, I did. I bowled seven overs with snapped with snapped ankle ligaments. So if, you know, Oriol you... Romeo should have played on. Oriol Romeo is soft. If you if you <laughs> took a fifteen yard sprinting run up foot when you bowled, hey, you don't I'd, need to tell everyone I'm an off spinner. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't know I'm bowling spin. <laughs> uh, but no, basically, what I was going to say is obviously the pitch is really not good still. I maintain that this is better than the old than it was before the relay because at least this is slippery, but you can play football on it. The last pitch you couldn't play football on it. Um, this though, it was a matter of time before someone got hurt. I still think that Click's injuries these last few weeks come back to him slipping around all over a lot. I'm amazed that Urente got through ninety minutes on that. Oh Christ! Uh, but like that, it's bad that he's gone. But if if this happens a, a time or you know a couple more times, I don't think that there's any way in which we can actually get in any real trouble for it, because the reason for it is COVID, basically. That's that's it. I mean, it was. I think it was one of those things that was originally first just sort of thrown out at the start of the season, saying that we would have liked to. I've changed the pitch, but due to the quick turnaround, that's just not possible. Yeah, like and, it was and, even and said it, before the end before the end of last season, it was said. Yeah. Like they, they said this needs doing and we'll do it in the summer. And then they couldn't do it in the summer. And it's in the same way, you know, a number obviously the floodlights did go up, but they weren't uh, oh. Nigel Searle saying is our pitch the cricket equivalent of the Indian wicket, uh, which I'm sure means loads to you, KC. No, no, uh, I've, been, I've been watching Sky Sports News. I do know about this, but apparently <laughs> NASA Hussein said it was, uh, in his opinion, it's just within sort of legal limits for how well, bad a, a pitch it, can be. Well, in fairness, just within legal limits, I think that makes it a fair equivalent. Although, looking at Leeds' pitch, I, I don't, I don't look at that pitch and reckon it'll turn. No, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, Oriol Romeo's ankle turned a bit on it, but <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ariel. Please don't come to my house. You are a scary-looking man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. Obviously, the you know 
the floodlights got done at some stage. Dugouts is not even being spoken about, which I assume is just being left on it. I mean, <laughs> and Nick and uh, friend of ours, Neil Patel, who it's nice to see you, Neil. I haven't seen you in fucking ages. Hope you're doing well, mate. Uh, not wrong with the cricket pitch, didn't say, and there may have been a slight, slight bit of bias in his comment there. Uh, it'll with our pitch, it's it's genuinely a bit of a worry, is this because. Like, what if Rafinha does his ankle? Yeah, season over. I think yeah. you stopped the Premier League at that point. Null and void. Just... <laughs> no, points per game. Back to that old chestnut. But you know what? I'm okay if they don't do promotion relegation because I'm a hypocrite like that. Yeah. Because I don't give a shit about the championship. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking, obviously. Um... Yeah, obviously it's not great, but it's really not. Yeah, we've kind of had a bit of warmer weather that there is the possibility to kind of dry it out a bit at least and and get it in better condition. But, yeah, like obviously we've got the Villa game tomorrow, but then we are, I think there is a little bit of a gap then, isn't there? Mm. Uh, right, get, yeah. get the hair dryers out and just on a massive extension cord and just have all the players just kind of just going like this over a small section of the pitch. Yeah, but after the Villa game, they've only got to play on it once between then and the 3rd of April, the Chelsea game, on 13th of March. So one game in a month. God, in my head, I just went, 3rd of April? Oh, that must be one of the last games of the season. Hang on, 3rd of April? Ooh. That's no good. Leeds are at home on the day that my daughter is due. She uh, <laughs> best be a day early or a day late. Because, you know, it'd be really... Because, you know, otherwise Sarah's going to have to get the bus. Uh, <laughs> That's mean. Uh, you know what, Jack? I would contribute for her to get a taxi. Ah, fair. Um, I was trying to think of a transition there, but I can't get one. My brain is a bit melted. Uh, so, tomorrow, Villa at home. Half five. Uh, this... Easy, this. Jack Grealish is out, who, who, by all accounts, is the best player in the world. The best player in the world? Not quite. The best player in Villa's team and one of the best players in the Premier League? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he would have been... Imagine how much he'd chuck himself over on our pitch. Just uh, keep going. Yeah. They, they don't have Grealish. They also don't have Matty Cash, which... I think could be a big factor in this game because then playing El Mahamedy at right back instead of Matty Cash gives us a real target to go at. Uh, they will, they do change the formation up slightly, but it'll be four two three one or four three three. So either way, Leeds will be in a four one four one. Um, if it's four one four one, there's still no Shackleton in all likelihood. Click probably isn't fit. Does that mean and Phillips it won't be back? So is it Urente and Cooper with strike at DM? I was thinking strike at left back. <laughs> just keep just keep moving the poor man around. Yeah. Um that'd be an interesting one. You know, if we if we do go back to four, I mean just purely down to numbers at this point, I would think it's strike at, at DM because now what are we looking at? Is is Jack Jenkins next in line? He's been the one on the bench, so you would think so. The thing is, it depends. I mean, we won't know until the teams come out. So Leeds will have to pick. It'll be like Newcastle where we picked one team and then had to change it after two minutes. Yeah, We could have a bit of that. Because Ross Barkley has not been in good form for them by all accounts. And if he doesn't play... If they were to bring in, like, they might play a midfield three of like John McGinn, Marvellous Nakamba, best name in football, and Douglas Louise. Then they would just have like a flat three in midfield instead of having a number 10. And if they play that, there's nothing for Strout to do in the DM role. Mm. At which point you're better off playing that someone like Click 
as a DM because he doesn't really need to play as a DM. He's more pushing forward than that. Kind of uh, like how we did when when Shackleton came in the Str- other week. And, well, that's what ended up happening at Villa Park. Because yeah. when Strauch went off, we brought Shackleton on and had click in. And because there was no out-and-out 10, there was no one for him to mark, so we could play like that. But I think that they will play Barkley as a number 10 to try and get the creative stuff going. Because without Grealish, they're not nearly as creative, so they need to hope for a good performance out of him. Uh, I've already said that I think... I don't think Click is fit. He hasn't looked fit for a while. He went off in the last game looking, hobbling around, holding his back. So I, I do think that it'll be Roberts and Dallas in middle and Alioski will start and come back in at left back. And then nailing right back. And then it's just whether it's Harrison or Costa. But I think it'll be Harrison, Rafinha, Bamford. But because El Mohamed is playing, um, I think that we might well see Rafinha on the left. Yeah. Um yeah, as, as kind of said already, it's going to be very much limited by our options at this point. Um, but you know, I don't, I honestly don't see them causing us that much of a problem. You know, obviously Grealish is the main creative outlet for them. Um, Trezeguet has had his moments. I'm trying to, uh, is it uh, Bertrand Traore's kind of looked good in the last few weeks. Yeah, I, he, he looks a good player. And, I mean, John McGinn in centre midfield, I really rate. I like McGinn. Yeah. Um, yeah, John McGinn's top... John, John McGinn is a top quality player, I think, in one of those who was a, a must-sign on FM about two years ago. It's brilliant. Brilliant player to sign in the Championship and just guide you up through the European competitions. But... Um, no, I mean, they lost to Leicester last time out. They drew with Brighton. A hey, did, you draw watch with Brighton. A, did you watch any of that Leicester game? No. I, you see, they, they really didn't look up to much at all without Grealish. No. I, I, to be honest, I'm looking at nil-nil with Brighton, which does sound like a terrible game. Uh, I think you might have mentioned this last time, actually. It's Brighton's 26 shots to Aston Villa in a nil-nil draw. Wow. Yeah. Like they really, they haven't looked great lately. Uh, obviously, they've got a good striker. Like Ollie, Ollie Watkins is really good. Yeah, I think at this stage, obviously, there was a lot of talk when we signed Rodrigo, and and they got Ollie Watkins for I think it was only a couple of million more than than we paid mm-hmm. for Rodrigo, and and there was very much a lot of late fans, including myself, just looked and went, well, I'd much rather have had Spain's number nine than than Ollie Watkins, who was fresh off a very good season in the championship, but that being really his first big season mm. as, 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 a, as an out-and-out goal scorer, but he has taken pretty well to the Premier League, it must be said. Yeah, he's, I mean, I must say, I, I did want Watkins, and it wasn't a slight on Bamford. It's just that I thought that he would be a really good striker that suit us, and I thought we'd need two out-and-out strikers over the course of the season. Uh, but when Rodrigo Bamford played anyway. Yeah, but with the uh, with the size of the fee, like that fee did sound high to me, but he's he's been worth every bit of it. Uh, the um, bought well in summer, did Villa to be honest. Obviously, Cash is out for this, but he did well. Watkins has been great. Emmy Martinez in goal has been really good. Um, it's a it's a good side, but once you take Grealish out, it isn't the knocking on the door of Europe side that they've looked at times. No. Um, and where are they now? They're eighth. We are one point behind them. They've got two games in Anvil, haven't they? Yeah, they've also got uh, a goal difference of 11, so it's ahead of us. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna say we win this. Well, I'm, that... I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fairly confident about it. Yeah. The only annoying thing about um, Rafinha's late free kick against Southampton actually was predicted 2 0. Which is, she's ever so slightly frustrating. Like, right, the game is won now. 
come on there's points on the line here yeah we uh it's a, it's an odd one this because Grealish being missing does make me feel more confident but I hate being confident because it hurts so much more when, if we fuck it up <laughs> uh, obviously you're saying a win what score are you going for you're really pushing for all the answers now, aren't you? Mm. Um, um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 1-0. One 1-0. Nil. One nil. Another another clean sheet. He's going to smash this record. Yeah. Uh, when when is he 21? <laughs> when, is he not a, when is he not a teenager anymore? Yeah. Now he's 20. Oh, <laughs> he's not. I don't care what his passport says. Is this? Yeah, he's sticking with it. it. He's just a giant fourteen-year-old. He is a massive fourteen-year-old Nigerian child. No. Yeah. Um, second of March, obviously so not can, Nigerian. That was a joke. He's, he's got a little bit of time to add to it. He's got. Uh, is this second of March? Is this the only game? If I think this is the last game that he can add to the record, then. Yeah. So is it if, is it not like under twenty one football? Like because of the season it's happening, it's the rest of the season still counts. Uh, it should be so. Then you can be like Nigel Leo Coker and be captain of England under twenty ones when you're twenty three. Yeah, him and him <laughs> and James Milner, just fully grown adults, just roaming around the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, because it worked last time, I'm going to say two two. Yeah, fair enough. Because it worked out last time. But I do think the way it's set up at the moment, I think this game is set up quite well for us. Into like the way that the formations balance against each other and stuff, in theory, should work well for us. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm just obviously I, my recollection of Villa now is is even, all I remember is Matty Cash getting absolutely no support at right back for at that point, it would have been Trezeguet. I think Matty Cash was just begging him back. Yeah. Um, and us having complete midfield dominance. So I just assume Tyler Roberts is going to run the show. Yeah, well, it's not worth sticking a couple of quid on him for the first goal. Now, nah, first assist. No, nah, Harrison. Because <laughs> that's who you always back. Yeah. Right, well, that'll do us for episode 109 at Mighty White's Podcast. We're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod and at MightyWhitesPodcast.com. The stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together, which is at T-H-I-U, it's all L-U-F-C, and at ThroughItAllTogether.SBNation.com. Uh, the game tomorrow, hopefully it will go well. That's on Saturday, so we'll be back probably early in the week, Monday, Monday or Tuesday, depending on work schedules and stuff like that. That's why this one's at such an odd time as well. Uh, but have you got up to add, KC? Uh, only that I hope the game goes well because I am working and will be a nervous wreck. Ah, uh, yeah, that never helps. But, yeah, that'll do us. I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a bit.